This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional. Hello and welcome back to the Property Development Book Club podcast. On today's episode, we'll be having a conversation on entrepreneurship in property with Nathan King and Tom Castro from commercial agency business, Huzu. So to get started, um, I'd love to hear a bit more about your business, um, kind of where it started, how you decided to kind of go into entrepreneurship um, and kind of where you're at now. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I've been running a commercial agency business for the last 10 years or so, maybe, maybe 12 years now. Um, <clears throat> started just in sort of off-market acquisitions and then set up a sort of subsidiary to that, which was City and Counties Commercial. We found through the acquisitions business that um, we were getting all these, these small leads in that didn't quite suit the clients that we were working for. And for a long time, we just left them and said, oh, it doesn't work for these five people. So, we'll, you know, but then I thought, actually, there's so many of them coming in that I could just set up a subsidiary, see how that goes, run it for a couple of years and see if it becomes a thing or not. And, you know, no drama if it, if it, if it is successful or not. And then from that, actually, we started to get more and more leads into the business and then we we just got some traction in this in what we call the, the SME commercial and development market. So it's the smallest or the or the lowest end of the market. Not necessarily in terms of quality, mm-hmm. but but um, smaller buildings, gritty buildings, probably in secondary and tertiary locations. Um, we ran, I ran that business for a few years, and then when COVID hit, we were thinking about scaling and how we could scale. And I thought, well, I've got one successful branch of the business. I'll go and open another twenty or thirty. Um, but then I need a lot of money to go and do that. It's going to take a lot of time. Mm. And then I just had this vision of 30 managers phoning me like, oh, the border's broken in this branch or something. <laughs> so I was thinking, this is not, this is just not the right way for me to run this business. Yeah. So did a load of research reading about other countries and other businesses and what's happening with regards to self-employed agency. So we then tested it for about 18 months, um, still under the city and county's brand. Um, we didn't want to, launch a business that we hadn't tested properly and continuously getting advice and reading and just trying to understand how we could even go about launching the sort of thing that we've launched. Um, and then we were able to launch it in January of this year successfully, um, or the launch was successful at least. Um, and, and yeah, and we've got eight agents at the moment. We've just offered another eight positions um, and a, a, you know targeting like 25 to 30 agents over the course of the first year. Um, with a view of building a big business, you know, and uh, a lot goes into it, you know, di- differently from running a, a, a very small business, almost a lifestyle business where it's, it's sort of hand to mouth. So you do some deals, you earn some fees, you pay for your lifestyle and then you go again at the start of the year. And that, that works really nicely for a lot of people. But, we're, you know, we're ambitious and we've got big plans and, um, y- you know, a lot of work has gone into developing the concept so that there was something we can actually launch to the market. Yeah. Um, and it's been received really well, as yeah. far as we're concerned anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, what I love about it is that um, for those that are listening that might not know the commercial agency sort of industry much, um, traditionally, it's very much like you said, you know, you sell a building or you lease a building, you get your fees and that's it. I've not really seen anything like Huzu um, in the UK market anyway. I think there's it's quite common in the US market yeah. mm. to operate under that kind of brokerage um, model, model mm. uh, where you have all these agents. So, yeah, good on you for one taking that 
taking that step. Yeah. Um, and it means, you know, less less hassle in terms of like actually occupying buildings, yeah, you know. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's like what Uber doesn't own any cars and, you know, one of those little scooter things. Line <laughs> 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 people, you, do you know line what I mean? Bikes, so yeah, line bikes yeah. and what have you. Um, so Nathan, you've been, you know, in the business and with Tom kind of since the beginning. How have you, like, see, like how, like, what's the change been like for you, you know, from the kind of old model to the new model? Uh, what, what I would say is, um, so I joined near the beginning, found Tom via Gumtree, so. Gumtree, that's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No, we yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that's how pretty you are, I love Just it. the cheapest form <laughs> of that we could find, yeah. I found him on Gumtree and it was, I was in a position where I wanted to get into the commercial space where I wanted to sell development sites and land and I didn't know how to and needed a space to do that. I didn't have a accredited RICS degree, so I couldn't work for a Savills or a JLL. And so I was looking for these opportunities and everyone would say, oh, you need another two years doing what you're doing because uh, I was doing investment sales at the time. And then when I found the advertisement, I called them twice because I sent them my CV and I was like, is this correct? And I started listing things and then they were like, yeah, it's definitely right. And then I um, went to meet Tom and interviewed and I was like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> like, I really want it. And then um, he gave me the job the next day. So um, from there, um, <coughs> the journey's been long and hard, but we've come to a place where everything's really, really good in a sense of, we didn't have leads in the business when I started. I was literally driving around trying to find sites. And then now leads are coming to us. Like we're not, we're not necessarily, I, I personally get a lot of people approaching me before I was constantly putting myself out there. Mm. Um, but the systems that are in place that Who's Who now has, um, everyone can benefit from, uh, which we didn't have originally. So from my perspective, um, Tom and I were having the conversations about Tom's bigger vision of let's go national and let's um, get more agents. And I think this is the best model to do that. And when we were having our yearly review, um, in the conversation, I was like, I'm ready. So let's, let's do it. Um, and he said, all right, let's fast track what, what my plans were. And so from there, we were able to pilot the scheme, which we did for a year and a bit, and it worked well for myself, and now everyone else is getting stuck in. So. Did you have any reservations moving from sort of being an employee to self-employed and sort of how you were going to kind of make that transition? I think a lot of people have asked me that, and I think from my perspective, it was a bit of a no-brainer um, because I understood the market. I think if you don't really understand the market and what you're capable of, then it would be very daunting because you're going into an unknown. I had looked at the market and seen that, okay, there is potential for, for me to earn money whether I'm doing a small letting or doing a large development site. So I'm taking a little bit more risk, but the rewards are <coughs> way greater. Mm. So from my perspective, I thought, why not? And the worst case scenario, I turn around to Tom and say, not working, maybe we should go back to the old model. And I know Tom quite well, and we've got a personal relationship outside of business. And I know he'll probably go, all right, let's re revisit it or let's revise it or something like that. Or alternatively, I could have gone somewhere else, but I like working with Tom. So from my perspective, it was just go for it, see how it goes. And 
definitely I would advise it for anyone else. The, the interesting thing about that, if, if I can, is it's, it's a bit like any small business, which is what you've got. You've got a small business that's licensed under the Who's You brand. And um, if you go from salaried employment to running a business, there's always that nervousness of like, what happens? How am I going to get my, my, my bills paid? Mm -hmm. But the fact is, every business ever has started that way. Mm -hmm. From the biggest business you can think of to your local hairdressers, whatever, they've all started with that. And it's just whether you're confident enough to make that step. And Nathan obviously believed in himself, yeah. um, as did I, of course. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a funny one because I, would, I completely understand any reservations, but the people who have those reservations and then decide not to, which we've obviously, we've had people in that situation, it's probably not right for them anyway. Yes. It's the people who go, do you know what? I'm gonna do this. I don't necessarily know what the result is, but I'm under pressure now, so I have to make it work. Mm -hmm. Like any business person. Mm -hmm. The only difference is we're able to give them quite a lot of support. Yeah. So it isn't the big lonely world of sort of soul entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something we were trying to, I guess, challenge, which is, the way that the property industry is currently structured is you're either employed or you're running a business, Where, where's the middle ground? Because entrepreneurialism might not be for everybody, um, but equally being salaried might not be for those people too. So it's about creating something where it's like, look, I don't really want to run marketing or HR or rent an office and all that sort of stuff, but I do want flexibility. I'm comfortable taking risk um, and I back myself to get out there and, and offer a good service to people, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. So, so what support uh, does Who's You offer its, its agents that are employed under, well, not employed, are licensed yeah. under the brand? So, so we offer a kind of host of uh, administrative, operational support. So I don't know, if they need photographs taken of a building, we can do that for them. If, we, if they need almost anything done, we'll do it for them. And we've developed some, some pretty, um, pretty good um, systems internally using tech so that they can communicate with us very consistently, very quick, and we can get things done really fast for them. Um, obviously, we, we're on all the portals and we do all the marketing, so we cover all their marketing costs. I think the biggest one um, is the lead generation. And I, I don't know how many small agencies talk about lead generation or, or are, are as obsessed about lead generation as we are. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've, I, Prior to me making this step, I saw a couple of friends of mine, one's got a car business, another one a manufacturing business, and some other clients of mine who were in different sectors. It's really interesting to talk to them about leads and, and you know, lead generation and lead management. And it's just not something that I'd ever really heard discussed in commercial property, as well as when I was talking to a lot of resi agents, it's the same thing, they're obsessed with leads. Mm. Um, whereas, whereas my, assessment, having done it for 10 years of the commercial property sector, is it's a lot about your network, you know, a lot of the kind of business or the leads come from the golf course, metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, actually, how can you drive consistent leads into the business and how can you scale that? And, it, you know, it's taken us 10 years to do it. You know, we have a dedicated research team specifically for identifying opportunities and providing them to, to the guys. And Nathan's now at a point now where he doesn't want leads from us. Yeah. Um, my leads aren't good enough for Nathan <laughs> now. But it's, to stop six yeah. Months ago. yeah, but it's because he's now got to a point where within his network, yeah. he's, he's got his own business going on, yeah. um, which is obviously where we want, want him to get to, you know? So um, it's that, like I say, we're, we're absolutely obsessed with it in terms of 
how can we make that phone ring with owners of property saying, I want to sell or rent my space um, wherever. And obviously, you know, we think we can do that nationally and we're now sort of proving that we can. And just on that lead generation point, so once uh, Huzu, the brand has like got these leads, is it kind of, you know, uh, sort of winner takes, like, who, like how do you decide <laughs> who gets those leads or is it like first, you know, past the post, like, like how does it? It depends on the actual lead. So, for example, I've pitched myself as, look, I'm, I'm born and bred from Croydon. So I take pride in doing deals in Croydon. Um, so I'll make a sing and dance about it. So if there is a lead in Croydon, if he pass, if who's who was to pass it on to someone else, it just wouldn't make sense because no one else is from Croydon or done in as many deals as me in Croydon. So it just comes, it depends on the actual <coughs> site and what, what it's worth or what, what location it's in and then they will allocate it accordingly. But from my perspective, in terms of the actual leads itself, I would say they've all been prepped. So some people would Qualified. say, yeah, so some people would say, oh, so they provide you leads and then what? So you just do a deal straight away? It, it doesn't really work like that. It's more someone has committed and said, I want to sell my building. Um, can I receive some advice on this? And then from there, that's when we step in and then take over as agents. Mm. Um, so, so you still need to put in the work, you know. Yeah. You still, you still, you know. It's not just the the lead lands with you and you just sell it tomorrow and you make your commission and can go. Otherwise, there'll just be admin staff to do that. Yeah. Um, you s there's still a lot of skill involved. There's still the job itself, but I, I believe personally the service provision that Hoosie provide is something that a lot of agents wouldn't want to provide for themselves. Mm. So if you want to be an independent agent where there are a lot of them, where they're one-man bands or they've set up a small <coughs> company, um, you probably wouldn't want to spend the money that Huzu are spending um, or create the systems that Huzu have created because you would have to spend the next 10 years doing it yeah. properly. Um, so to fast-track that, I'd rather they do that yeah. and then... Um, they get a cut of the fee when I sell the, the building. So they take the overheads, cut like stress and off of your sort of back and mm -hmm. everything you get is just net. You know, exactly. you've, you've, you've killed it, you've eaten it kind yeah. of thing. Literally, awesome. literally. Hi, this is Tom Castro. You're listening to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Hi, I'm Nathan King. You're listening to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Hi, I'm Faith Lochkin, founder and CEO of We Rise In. We are a business whose mission is to inspire, elevate and develop the careers of mid to senior level black professionals. We're keen to connect with individuals who identify as black professionals so we can support you in getting to levels of seniority within your career. And we're also keen to speak to corporate companies who are looking to uh, better and improve their diversity, equity and inclusion agenda via our workshops um, and programmes. We're a proud sponsor of the second half of season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast. So then for people who would want to become an agent, because um, it seems to me that, you know, you, you've gained your experience such that you're now able to kind of really take advantage of this new model. But if someone's out there that really wants to maybe consider commercial agency, doesn't want to go down the traditional route, is who's some, some, something they could they could get involved in? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all dependent on the, on the individual really. Um, ideally we're taking candidates on who's got some sort of a c 
commercial or development background, um, that doesn't necessarily mean agency. So we've got some people with um, property finance backgrounds. We've spoken to architects and people like that who I consider that to be a real asset to the business. The principle of agency is not rocket science, it's, it's sales ultimately. Mm -hmm. And th my view is whenever I'm speaking to these people, do I think this person will be able to sell? And that doesn't mean banging the phones, hammering, you know, banging on doors and stuff like that. It, it, everyone's got their own style. Um, an architect is still a salesperson in one way or the other, in my opinion. Um, and we've got a lot of interest from the residential agency sector. So estate agents who are a bit disenfranchised with the resi sector. Um, I know that some of the bigger firms have let some people go. So we're speaking to quite a lot of those. Um, we obviously train them, you know, uh, uh, this is not about you sign up, there's your email address and off you go. And there's plenty of people who we've spoken to who we're not sure are the right fit for us. They'll be good at other things, but maybe not, not this, not now. Um, and, and I think that there's real scope for it because at, at the level that we're, we're at in that SME commercial and development market, um, there's a whole chunk of that market that I consider to be not really any different from Resi as far as the kind of technicalities are concerned. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that we take an agent on who's got 10 years experience as a residential agent and we give him a 100 unit development site to sell and talk about the 106 and the seal and yeah. whatever. We're not saying that, mm. but could that person sell a, a shop and up as investment? Well, sure, of course they can. Yeah. You know, they probably would have been looking at that sort of stu stuff as a resi agent. Mm -hmm. Could they let a 5,000 square foot commercial space? Well, of course they can. Like with the support of us, it's really, it's, it's not that difficult. So we're trying to find the balance between, of course, we want really high quality candidates, but equally we're not sitting here saying, you've got to have five or six years experience in the commercial sector. Because the reality of it is, if you went around and spoke to other agencies, sort of traditional agencies in the SME commercial market, um, they're not employing people with mm. vast amounts of experience because there aren't actually that many out there. Mm. Commercial estate agency is not a thing. It's not a sector, it's not an industry. And that's something that we're trying to pioneer, let's say, and really push forward that residential estate agency is very accessible. There's TV shows about it. It's very prominent and it's talked about a lot. But why is there a gap between resi estate agency and surveying, yeah. where you've got to do three years at uni, then two years of your, um, of your APC? Well, maybe you don't want to do that. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I did the uni degree, but I came out and didn't want to do my APC. Just, yeah. It just wasn't for me. And that's, I don't have anything against the RICS or surveying at all. It just wasn't the strategy that I wanted to do. I wanted to transact. Um, so there are plenty of people who will sort of share that, that view. And, yeah. you know, Nathan's one of them. Um, it, one of those the things that we talk about a lot in the office is that like barriers to entry of commercial property mm -hmm. for which there are many and why, why do they exist, what are they, how can they be challenged. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go into the, the depths of the kind of political side of things but it exists and um, you know my view is that just there's loads of candidates out there who haven't been shown this sector as an opportunity yeah. um, and we're just trying to because yeah. even so, pre, you know, prior to my role currently as development manager, I, I worked for many years as a city agent. So buying and selling, like you know, your Gherkin buildings, your, the shards, like those sort of huge. And it was interesting that whenever we were doing lead generation, it was like if a landlord came to us with anything mm -hmm. that was less than ten million, we we considered it not not worthwhile. Because mm -hmm. you know, in the bigger commercial agencies, you're doing less deals in a year, but obviously they're larger. But you're right, there's that kind of gap you know, who's serving that, you know, up to five mil, five mil lot size. Um, and I guess that's where companies like Who's Who come in, to, you know, supporting uh, agents 
to you know basically transact and just do what a lot of agents like to do, which is just work. You yeah, know? yeah. Sell, yeah. And, sell. And, and those transactions you're referring to, you know, the, the I don't know who currently has the Gherkin, but you know, you're sat between probably one fund and another fund. These yeah. sort of very sophisticated in, in investment companies, um, and, and that company you're working for are there to provide a service to them. Great. Who's providing the service to the person who owns local corner shop, the local barbers, the local MOT centre, um, and as far as we are concerned, there's no national brand representing those people. And the there is an argument to say that that shop for the local barber or the local MOT guy um, is more valuable to them than and the gherkin the is to, and to the community than it is to that fund because yeah. the, to the fund, it's numbers on a piece of paper and they move from here to there and then you reinvest that and you know, whereas for this guy, say this, the, is, this is, he might have been in the MOT garage for 40 years and he's gonna retire, he's gonna sell it. Okay, it might be 200,000 versus 200 million or whatever, but the point is he deserves the same level of service. He doesn't deserve any more, any less, he deserves the same. And at my experiences, not with every agency of course, there are plenty of good agents out there, but my, my experience is more often than not, the service provision at that lower end of the market, that mass market, is, is poor. Mm. Um, properties aren't marketed correctly, um, agents aren't um, good enough actually. And as I say, that's not everyone, of course, yeah. there are good businesses out there, of course, but we tend to find that in each sort of micro location, each micro market, there's like one good firm here, and then in the next area, there's a good firm there. And it's like, actually, these firms seem to be, sorry, these, these areas seem to be kind of dominated by like one company. Yeah. And of course, there's scope for other people to join that market, mm. you know? So that's, that's the way that we see it, really. Yeah, because even like estate agents, especially if you go into any location, if you go to Clapham High Street, they'll be next to each other. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Literally one next to each other. But a commercial agent, you will have to find them. You have to Google and you'll be like, yeah. oh, where are they in that, some back street somewhere? And you, you can't find them. Yeah, yeah. But that's why we're trying to bridge the gap. And the vision is quite clear with, with that. And That's so right. You, I, do you know, I'd never considered that. The fact that, you know, you, go, you can walk down and be like, you know, Foxton's is next yeah. to... KFH uh, yeah. is next to Hamptons is next to... It just goes on. So who's who... Would you ever have physical physical kind of locations, or is it, is it kind of never never say never? I, I read recently that there's there's a whole sort of raft of uh, web based uh, like fashion businesses that are now taking yeah. shop fronts. Right? Yeah. I think Gymshark, you know, yes, now took yeah, one on, exactly. on Regent Street. So, yeah. You know, um, so I'm sure at some point they would have said oh, never. We don't need one. So I, I wouldn't ever say never. But I just that's not in the strategy in any time in the near future. Just for us, you know, we have a relatively small, inexpensive office and that's all we need for the time being because I don't have any agents in it. I have an operations team. I've got other members of staff who don't need to come to the office. Um, I'm not sure why we need it. What, what I would add to that though, um, we've had quite a few discussions about how I personally would progress because doing, doing deals is one thing, but how do you get to the next level? Yeah. Um, and we talked about speaking with the other agents within the network, so that's what we're trying to utilise. But me, myself, I have to start employing people mm. because that's how I need to expand my business within a business. Ah. Yes, so if I was making enough money where I'm like, okay, a shop front is helpful for my branding, then for I your might patch. exactly for yeah. my patch. Then potentially I might consider that. But me personally, I don't like offices. Personally, in terms of I don't like going to an office and doing work. 
I prefer to be in central London and doing a few meetings and going to a coffee shop or being at home with my wife. That's, that's the kind of thing that I like. But someone else, they might get to my point and go, yep, office now, because I like to be outside of my home environment mm. and an office is the best place to do it. And then, then it's up to them. But I've started employing people and taking it to the next level, but everything's remote for now. I think, I think also, and less so in perspective of Nathan and his future branch, let's say, but, but for us, let's say that we, we took office space and it was uh, uh, you know, a physical space on our high street, call it 20, 30 grand a year. Um, my assessment of that would be, what's the return on my investment for that space? Not, let's just take space because it's nice to have. Yeah. If we're having it, we're seeing it as a marketing exercise, okay? Yeah. So that 20 or 30 grand a year plus rates, so call it 40, 50 grand a year, th that investment is only really worthwhile for that local market. Mm. Whereas the damage I could do online with that money, yeah. my God, like, <laughs> we don't, that, and, that's, and that's, you know, our spend yeah. now is probably not quite 10 times, but probably somewhere between seven or eight times online versus our current rent. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and absolutely will continue that way because to go and pitch to an owner and say, yeah, you know, we spend four grand a month on Google and this and that and the other, whatever else, you know, and you say, I'll go and ask the other agents what they're spending because I guarantee the answer is none. Not for all of them, but for a lot of them, you know? So it's, it's I, I suppose you have to look at what, what's the benefit of having that kind of ground floor shop front office. Um, and, and as I say, I can't, I can't see a circumstance where that's the right thing for the business. Yeah. yeah. And as a new model, I think we have to, uh, push the boundaries in terms of what is okay it's traditional to get a shop front but yeah, everyone's online now yeah, yeah, yeah everyone's online in the Amer in America a lot of them are influencers the estate agents and things mm -hmm. like that so we need to push the boundaries in terms of okay uh, because it's traditional we don't have to do it what is in the best interest for the business mm. I could see you becoming an influencer Nathan. oh 100% uh, 100%, uh, uh, 100 on Saturday <laughs> kitchen so I guess finally like how can people get in touch with you to either find out more um, about the business or maybe just have a conversation as to how they might get involved well, you know we're out there we're try and be fairly active on LinkedIn so we could see that to be quite a good tool for, to, for people to contact us got a website there's lots of people in the business now so I would hope that it's not too difficult to find us you know we're we're out there we're friendly we're here to have conversations even for people who are exploring it not ready to commit we're just here to talk to people you know we have that com I have that conversation daily at least of thinking about this I'm thinking about that might be ready in three six months no problem you know it's it's people business isn't it yeah. as far as I'm concerned so it's just about you know talking to as many people as we can um, and just you know, there's no pressure. We're here and we're happy. So people want to speak to us and we're here to, to talk to them. For know? sure. What I would say as well, um, obviously Tom's the founder of the business, but as an agent, a business within a business, feel free to talk to myself because I can tell you like what it is to live the actual day to day um, and what it really takes. So if anyone wants to have an honest conversation, feel free to speak to me on LinkedIn, Nathan King or... Um, or you're just trying to grow your team. All <laughs> <laughs> grow my team. Uh, we'll see how you're it goes. <laughs> so um, yeah, speak to me or um, on my Instagram as well. I'm on Instagram. Um, All right. Well, thank you both so much. Thanks, it's mate. been been really insightful, yeah, and I look forward brilliant. to seeing Huzu grow and just sort of take over the commercial agency market. You know, yeah. Watch this space. Thank you very much, Faith. Thank you.
Thank you very much for watching this episode of the Property Development Book Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional.